Hey guys, welcome back to our podcast, Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism. So uh, if you're back, hopefully that means that our introduction episode last time didn't scare you off too much. Uh, Jeffrey, how are you doing? How was your week? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. What did you do this week? Uh, my week was very uneventful, other than the fact that I continued my rewatch of Gilmore Girls, so I am very up-to-date for our podcast. That is a pretty good week, in my opinion. Um, just wanted to let you guys know, Jeffrey and I are no longer in the same city. Uh, sad. <laughs> so we're doing this podcast, this episode, uh, via Skype. Um, that's why maybe the audio uh, might sound a little bit more grainy, I guess, this week. But we tested it. We did a couple of tests, so it should be okay. But just to let you know. It should be fine. Just so you're not wondering what's going on. I'm far away from Jeffrey and I'm sad. <laughs> yes, but Gilmore Girls brings us together. That's true. We're always here for Gilmore Girls. So this episode, we're talking about the pilot. And I remember you saying last time, Jeffrey, that the pilot was one of your favorites. If not, is it your favorite or one of the favorites? Yeah, the, well, the, the, the pilot episode of Gilmore Girls is one of my all-time favorite pilot episodes. Um, oh, general of all television. Yeah, um, I think it's like probably in my top three. Just like because you know a, a pilot episode should like just be of substance and be able to introduce you to the show and like just have like have enough potential that you want to stick around for the rest. You know. Absolutely. Um, so you didn't watch it recently, did you? No, I didn't. But um, I think I think the last time I would have seen it was like maybe before Christmas, which was like four or five months ago now. But um, I think I think I've seen season one of Gilmore Girls the most. So like it's pretty fresh in my mind. And since it's my since it's one of my all time favorites, I would hope it would it would stay in my mind fresh. Yeah. So. so I uh, watched it last night uh, in preparation for this episode. Uh, I was supposed to watch it sooner. Well, earlier, I mean. But um, Netflix is ruining my life, I've realized. <laughs> you think? Because I got I got super consumed with um, some other television shows. Yeah. Um, should I plug them? Maybe I should. Um, have you seen Sex Education on Netflix? No, I haven't. I'm very bad at watching Netflix in general. Just I find I add yeah. stuff to my list and it's like... Oh my god, my list is. Don't even get me started on my list. Yeah, like it's so long. It's like I add that. It's like I add something to my list, and it's like, yep, that's never. Yeah, it's. I know, but it's just comforting that they're there, isn't it? Yeah. If I if I ever. Good. No, but I watched um I watched Sex Education, which is a really really good show, very very funny. Um, and then I watched Special, which is about the gay guy with cerebral palsy. Yeah, I saw that. I watched the preview. Okay, so that is super easy to get. I know I love how we're talking about other shows, but yeah. <laughs> just to let you know, that is super easy to get into. It's um, one season, eight episodes, fifteen minute episodes. So you you can literally watch that in an afternoon, um, and it was super well done. I think. Um, yeah. So all that to say that I wanted to watch it earlier, but I only got the chance to watch it last night. But that being said, it is still fresh in my memory. You and uh, you've seen the show much more than I have, so. Oh yeah, I've probably listen. I've probably seen the pilot episode. Pff, I, I don't want to say hundreds of times because I don't think that's true, um, but I've probably seen it. Um, it's up there. It's like maybe twenty times. Yeah, dozens of yeah. times. Yeah, probably. So I'm not like super worried. But that being said, every time I watch an episode of Gilmore Girls, especially the earlier episodes, like the earlier seasons, mm-hmm. I pick up on like things that I maybe missed the first time around. Yeah. Does that happen to you? 
A lot, yeah, like not so much maybe like things that I missed, like maybe like once it once in a while I'll pick up on something like, oh, I never noticed that before. But it's more like my perspective changes, like maybe. Oh, so, that's true. Like but I've, I'm talking more about the fact like what they talk about kind of thing, like some little quips here and there, because oh, you know they talk so fast that you don't yeah. always get the joke. It's definitely a show that you have to watch more than once because you're not you're you'll you'll never pick up on every little like quirk or um like neuroses every single time that you see it the first time so it's better to watch it more than once absolutely that's our advice to you watch it more than once yeah and so, like, I remember the first time I watched it like the first like three-ish seasons I just I always had like a sense of like this is like one big inside joke that I'm not in on you know and then once I started watching it more and more as I as the show kept going on it was like okay I'm I'm, I'm finding a groove with this now but I remember in the beginning it was like this is just like a big inside joke that I don't get you know but you get it now I get it now but at the time I was like this I'm I'm gonna stick with this because I feel I feel there's potential I just I'm, I'm not there yet and it took me a while but then I got there what, what was it that, like, not turned you off, but what was it that made you feel like you didn't get it right away? I think it was a lot, a lot was, like, the, was, like, the fast-paced dialogue, and it was, like, that's, that is very unique to Gilmore Girls, and, like, yeah, I've, absolutely. And I've seen a lot of, like, critics say that, like, no other show on television before or after has, like, replicated that amount of fast-paced, like, witty, pop culture-obsessed dialogue, so I think that was part of it, and also, um... It was kind of just like the quirky characters, like all the like all the recurring stars, Hollow people were kind of just like a lot to take in in the beginning. I remember just yeah, like sure. and not to say like they were annoying. Like I know a lot of people think that I like I'm or I've, I've known a lot of people who who didn't like the show because like those characters were annoying. Oh, but, like, I think they made the the show special. Yeah, and like they're like they're and like if they're annoying, they're like endearingly annoying. You know, like yeah. I mean, it, was, it depends which ones. Let's be honest. Yeah, like in the but sense I, that a family member is endearingly annoying. Yeah, but uh, no, I get that. I get that. Um, so you mentioned a criticism, well, not a criticism, but you mentioned a critique, I guess, of the show that no other show. What was it that you said? Yeah, um, I've seen like I think it was even like one of them might have been like on the back of one of the DVD boxes. It just said like I think it was on like the season seven DVD box. There was a quote that said like once Gilmore Girls leaves television, there'll be nothing like it. Um, just meaning in terms of it's that it was it was that unique and I've also just seen other um like either like in either like in a pop culture book or in just in, in a television review like saying how Gilmore Girls was truly one of a kind like more so than other tv shows mm-hmm. yeah well I definitely agree <laughs> um so in preparation for today's episode what I did was I went back and tried to find some um what critics were saying about Gilmore Girls when it first aired. Yeah. So keep in mind it aired in the 2000s, everybody. Um, <laughs> um, so it aired in 2000, exactly. And so I, I was reading, I was going through the list of these, um, I guess they're blurbs or like little, they don't give you like the full reviews, but they pick and choose some of them. So this yeah. is an article that L um, published, it says what critics said about Gilmore Girls back in 2000, the good, the bad, and the hilarious. So this was published um, on November 3rd, 2016, I guess in anticipation of the revival. Okay. So I'm going to read some out to you. You let me know your thoughts, okay? <laughs> okay. 
Um, okay, well, I'll start with this one since we started with like supporting characters. Um, so keep in mind, this is right after the pilot or in anticipation of the pilot, I think. Some of them are right after, some of them are in anticipation. So this one says, among the supporting players who just may grow on you if given the chance are Melissa McCarthy as the inn's ditzy chef. That was by the New York Times. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that they, that they describe her as ditzy because like, yes. I feel like, they, I feel like, maybe Suki was never really ditzy but I can I can see why like before they had time to build on her character that like that was maybe the only like word that could best describe her well that's it I think if you're just going off the pilot yeah it's a good word but I mean I think based off the pilot she wasn't ditzy she was just clumsy like I think that super clumsy so I I saw it last night and I was like I I had blocked out half the things that she had done yeah like that was her one identifier like from the pilot like she's just like making like making a mess in the kitchen or like she falls down like in like in another world would hurt herself but then it's just like I'm okay I'm okay like it was like but that I think that in itself like made her already charming and like yeah so the Washington Post actually calls her the inn's lethally clumsy chef there you go. That's 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 a much better describer than. Absolutely, but I think that as the seasons moved along, they moved away from that um storyline for her. Yeah, it, like I think she became much more competent in the kitchen. Yeah, she was much more competent. She was like a little like she was always like maybe a little not ditzy, but more like flaky. Maybe I would say. Yeah, that's. I think that's a better word. Yeah. Yeah, like flaky in terms of like you know um maybe like flaky in a sensitive kind of sense. I remember there was an, there was an episode. Um, maybe from season four, four or five, I think, where um, Lorelai and Suki are getting ready to open the dragonfly, and um, Suki like just you know didn't show up to let in a plumber or something. That's season four, yeah. That's season four, yeah. And so in she, Suki's defense, she had a newborn at home. Yeah, she had she had a newborn. I remember I remember the scene where like Lorelai went over and like she was like having a hard time with the baby and like like everything was kind of all piling up on her and like that was fine but I kind of could understand Lorelai's point of view because Suki kind of would always just like fail or like rely on Lorelai too much to do like anything that was kind of confusing or hard so like Mm -hmm. Lorelai was like you can't you can't just you know back out every single time something gets difficult so like I and I thought like that was kind of a a turning point for the character or like a just a a spotlight on her as a person which I thought was good very well said um do you want to hear one that really made me laugh okay so entertainment weekly was talking about the multicultural cast saying that Lorelai manages a hotel in the diverse fictional hamlet of Stars Hollow Connecticut oh boy I'm sorry. What was multicultural about Gilmore Girls? There was like literally like other other than Friends, I'm pretty sure Gilmore Girls is, is in the running for like one of the whitest shows ever. I mean, pretty- they had Michelle. That's about it. Pretty much. There was in, like if that that's probably what they meant by multicultural because maybe in like in 2000 or 2001, uh, one black main cast member was enough to make it multicultural. And, and you know what? It- Michelle, um, the actor who is Yannick uh, Trudel, I think his name. Yeah. Yes. Um, he's not even, what was, where was I going with this? He, oh yeah, he's not even a main character at this point. No, he was like less, like, I'm even surprised he was not, maybe not surprised, but it was like, sometimes it was kind of a, a head scratcher that he remained in the main cast all the time. Cause like he wasn't mm-hmm. in every episode or like he, and he, he him, I think out of all the main characters, he had the, he had the least character development. So. Oh, 100%. He had yeah. more character development in the revival than anything else. Yeah, um, So I was like, what are they talking about with multicultural cast? And then the the, the, the only thing I could think of is maybe because there's two um, Spanish-speaking fellows 
with Suki in the kitchen. And I was like, okay, but no. They don't have names or... <laughs> uh, one of them does have a name, excuse me. His name is Mike. Okay, oh, Mike. So, so multicultural. So multicultural. Yeah, so I kind of giggled at that one. I was like, no. By today's standards, like, if this show were to come out today with this cast today, um, I think it would definitely get some backlash. It would definitely get backlash. And, it just, it and just, rightfully so. I mean, it's not representative of the real world. Yeah, and it just, it just wouldn't fly. And I, don't, and, I, and I find that, like, because Gilmore Girls premiered in 2000 like it was still kind of the world was still kind of in a 90s mindset which is why mm-hmm. like i think at least the first season is kind of a bit 90s like the first season reminds me a lot of like seventh heaven just in terms of like oh god i blacked that show out <laughs> just like in terms of teen drama just like like family melodrama but in comparison i do think gilmore girls laid much firmer and stronger groundwork to be a good family drama than mm-hmm. so it was like seventh heaven did and i think seventh heaven ran for like 11 seasons and it was it was just like the same thing over and over again or like or like one tree hill and not 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 to like diss those shows but like they they weren't at they didn't have as much of a strong family dynamic in my opinion as gilmore Mm -hmm. so yeah for sure well speaking of other teen dramas um the hollywood reporter then says gilmore girls is a genuine gem in the making a family-friendly hour burdened by neither trite cliche nor precocious pablum it is as fresh and real as dawson's creek is stale and contrived Mm, that's interesting yeah. It's funny that they would that they would refer to Dawson's Creek as stale and contrived because maybe by that point, like, it, I think maybe that maybe by that point, like, the teen drama was like, you know, been there, done that. So they were looking for something that would, you know, kind of conform, but also still be able to push the envelope and make something fresh and new that never been seen before. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, then I'm just gonna get to some that were like. I don't know, head scratchers, I guess. Uh, Variety says, it's still a chick show, but at least Gilmore Girls could attract women well past the NSYNC phase. Definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You agree? Yeah, I agree. It's funny that they would, not funny. It's, I'm not surprised in the least that it's referred to as a chick show because like. Oh no, that's not surprising to me. Not at all. Yeah, it's 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 probably like and let's be honest, like anything on the WB in the late '90s or early 2000s was the television was the white television equivalent of a chick flicks. So yeah. I'm not. Okay. I guess I'm it's not surprised. <laughs> but it's all, but it's funny that but it's funny to hear it referred to in that way because like I think or maybe I'd like to believe nowadays we kind of use you know terms like chick flicks or chick whatever chick lit maybe like a little less just because yeah like, I think we've evolved evolved and just like you know it's like those those terms were kind of you know pejorative or you know kind of in a in a negative context i mean like oh only mine only like you know mindless bimbos like chick flicks you know like chick flicks is kind of just like a yeah it had a negative connotation attached for to sure it. yeah and then the last one i get well there's more but i'll just read this one um because i do not agree washington post oh boy it says if this group could just cut all the lame quips and keep the good ones they might end up with a watchable show (laughs) no hold on can i just say like yeah this is the equivalent of saying yeah if this show was just good it'd be good (laughs) yeah Mm, i was gonna say something (laughs) yeah we're trying to not swear on this show but you know as the the episodes go on we might just we might we we might abandon that and say bye-bye in the rearview mirror because it's gonna be hard 
Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Thank you for that disclaimer. But yeah. I mean, no, let me read it again because if this sh- if this group could just cut all the lame quips and keep the good ones, they might end up with a watchable show. Yeah, great. If the writing was good on any show, it'd be good, you assholes. Yeah, like it's not even like that. And that's a very ser- service level. And that's not, by the way, that's not me saying that the writing is not good because I completely disagree. I thought the writing was really, um, really something special at that time. Yeah, it was. Def- I think I it don't was think def- there was any other show that had like you know you had comedies, but I don't think there was shows. Oh, well, maybe there are, but I mean there were. This was a t- a different type of show in which like those quips, the lame quips that he's referring to, made it so special. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it and was it was def- so smart in my opinion. Yeah, it was definitely something that was never seen before at that time. I think like yeah. I think maybe like by the late 2000s or like 2010s there was like a much a much bigger budget and place in television for like comedy dramas or dramedies as dramedies as, as they called as, them yeah as, as some are called um but i think in 2000 like a like a, a real dramedy like Gilmore Girls was not as expected <laughs> or seen so i can and like I, and I'm not not to defend or agree with that review, but I can kind of... No, no, play devil's advocate, that's fine. <laughs> but to play devil's advocate, I can kind of see what they mean by just, like, saying to get rid of, the like, the smart quips or whatever. Because, like, maybe to some who have different tastes, maybe, like, all of the, you know, pop culture quips and wittiness and, like, it, it maybe, like, all came on a little too strong in that first episode for some people. So, like, you know... Do you think... And this, I'm going to say this, but uh, this is me playing devil's advocate too. Do you think it, you sound scared. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that it's women delivering these lines? Probably. These lines that are also written by a woman. Yeah. Because let's be honest, in the first episode, I don't think I ever realized it until last night when I watched it. In the first episode, um... Richard says like five words. Mm. Luke says seven. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, the only character who really speaks, mm, well, not even, but like Michelle says more. A lot of the lines are solely delivered by women. Exactly. Like, and not just Lorelai and Rory, but Emily gets a little, uh, m- much more of a speaking role than Richard. Uh, Elaine and Mrs. Kim are in there. Yeah, Suki. Uh, Suki even speaks more. You know what I mean? So do you think? this has something to do with the fact that these are women being witty and clever and sarcastic. And um, when I think back then, we're like, oh, women are funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. I, mean, I say good, back then as if we don't say that again today. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point because, like, I never, I actually never thought of it that way. Like, in that first episode, it probably does come off as extremely woman-centric and just mm-hmm. kind of, like, not girly, but maybe, like, maybe, like, in 2000 it was kind of just like a very like mother-daughter kind of show like you know like there was like literally like literally Gilmore Girls was a mother-daughter kind of show but I think in general there was a there's like a bunch of a bunch of shows on tv at that time that were like that where it was like for for women maybe not by women you know but like this to like that like Gilmore Girls itself was very for women by women or like maybe yeah. for for people by women you know yeah so um that's a yeah I've never thought of it that way before but I I, honestly I never thought of it that way either until um well I pulled up the 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 critics the blurbs whatever and then I watched I read the blurbs and I watched the episode last night and I and it kind of just clicked for me when I was watching the fact that the men don't really say anything funny yeah Um, I mean Michelle is there for sure for comedic relief um Richard falls asleep at one point yeah um, at the table um 
it's interesting to note that Richard wasn't even a main character until like I think season six. Really? Season five? Anyways, I should look into that. But anyway. Actually, so, it's a good thing you brought that up because in my notes I have one of the first things I wrote down and the and the notes I wrote down for the pilot and for season one mm-hmm. was just stuff that I thought off thought about off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Like without any context. I was just like jotted jotted down or whatever came to mind. And the third thing I wrote down was why was Edward Herman, who played Richard, always mm-hmm. credited as special piece, by the way, Edward Herman. Yeah. Um, why was he always credited as special appearance by in the opening yeah. credits when he was essentially a main cast member and in most Because he didn't become a main cast member until it was it was season four, I'm pretty sure. Which was is it, ridiculous in my opinion. Was he not was was he not credited as special appearance by in the opening credits for the entire show? I don't think so. No. I should look into that. We'll have to look into that. We will look into that and get back to you, everyone. Because in my head, I was like, I, I always, I always thought of it as he was always credited a special appearance by, and it was like, mm, maybe, like, maybe that was like an agreed upon um, credit that he wanted for the for the for the show. I don't know, but I wouldn't know why that would be a, a de- not a demand of his, but an I don't know. We'll, like, we'll look into it. We'll get back to you. Maybe you know, maybe you know how like in other like on, on other shows like it, they save like the biggest name for the last you know like starring this person this person that person and like you know yeah. uh, with Rob with Rob Lowe and Patrick Dempsey you know like I'm around Grey's Anatomy like Patrick Dempsey was always credited last and was like why is he so special you know yeah I don't know why either <laughs> um I have beef with Grey's Anatomy but. <laughs> That's, that's a different that's a, podcast. Yeah, that's a, that's a different story and a different podcast. That's a different podcast, Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> All right, so should we jump into this pilot? Okay, sounds good. So, um, can I just say that watching the older episodes uh, give me the creeps sometimes? In what way? Um, I think it's because so much has changed. Okay. In terms of, like, the Gilmore house, the diner, the town... Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, Gilmore Manor is that a thing? <laughs> Where Richard and Emily live? <laughs> it's a, that's a good point because when you when you mentioned before, if um, you know if you notice things that are different when you go back and rewatch, like mm-hmm. uh, Emily and Richard's house set was completely different for most completely. of completely. I think the furniture stayed, but everything else was completely different. Yeah, like like the um, living, like the living room was a separate room, the dining room was a separate room. Remember, like, and then as the show came, as the show progressed, like it was li- much more open concept. Yeah, it was an open concept. You could see, you could see the the the, the stairs, the yeah. stairs yeah. in the background, which you which you didn't in the beginning because it was a, the living room was one separate room. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm just always like very unsettled when I watch earlier episodes. I th- and uh, I feel I think I know what you mean because just like in terms of. I think every kind of classic TV show has that kind of feel to it at first. It's like, oh, for sure. You don't, you like, they, they don't know, like, no, no show really knows what they're getting into until they do. So it's like in the beginning, you're watching, like, you, you watch it as as they find their footing and they decide what, what direction they want to take and what, and what direction the network is going to let them take. Yeah, so they- absolutely. Because I think when Gilmore Girls first started, they got the okay. I remember reading in Lauren Graham's book that they got the okay for like, I think, four episodes or four or six. I'm yes, not sure. I'm that. iffy on that. And she was actually starring in another show too. So it would make sense that they didn't know what kind of budget they had, what kind of set they had. They just made do with what they had. Exactly. And I think a lot, I think a lot of sh- like shows and pilots are made like that. Maybe not mm-hmm. anymore because like, you know, network television is dead and streaming is, <laughs> is everything now. But yeah. like I think at that time, like 
pilots were very like here or there like you know it could take off and it could be the next literally pop cultural touchstone or it's canceled after an episode like it's it must have been so nerve-wracking for them like for sure like it's funny because i remember a few months ago i read a book about like the legacy of friends and like why friends is still so popular and still resonates with people and they like the the author like walked through the entire history of how the show was cast and how you know how how they put so much effort into it despite not knowing if it would even take off to begin with yeah and remember when they they really wanted jennifer aniston as rachel and Mm -hmm. they um they had they had, you know, seen her, but they like they hesitated on making the decision. And then another another network cast her in an, in a different sitcom. And then only after that happened did, did they decide, oh, we really want her. And then like, it must have been like it must have been not only nerve wracking for networks but also actors exactly. because you don't know if this is taking off. So if there's another opportunity presents itself, you're gonna take that. Exactly. Then you have to let that go. You know, like it was just. Whereas today in the world of streaming, they're like, well, we've got you for one season. We're gonna put all those shows out there, those episodes out there, and then we might pick you up for a second season. But you yeah. filmed that season essentially, you know. Exactly. That that and that that's true. That's even weird because because um, for network TV you film episode by episode. But I'm sure with yeah. streaming it's like film film 13 episodes and then we'll see. You know. That's yeah. Exactly. Works. I don't know which one I like better. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's it, I go back and forth. I I guys I kind of I kind of weep. For a time when, you know, everyone just watched cable TV and now, like, cable and network t- television is dead and everyone just, you know, has Netflix. But, mm-hmm. which I, which I kind of understand because, you know, network TV is not the same as as it used to it's be. Not, and no. streaming op- does have a lot more to offer, but I still... But that being said, I do love the fact that I could just open Netflix and, like, binge a certain season of something. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a whole, there's but a whole at level the same time, when I finish that season and, let's say it ends on a cliffhanger like sex education well not a cliffhanger but you know you you want to know what happens next you're like god damn i want to know if they're going to renew this for a second season yes anyways I, if yeah. i may return to the topic of melissa mccarthy as suki mm-hmm. the, the first thing i wrote in my notes for season, for the pilot and season 1 was and it's and you can tell how 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 much this weighs on my brain because it was the very first thing that I wrote down. Okay. I wrote Melissa McCarthy was always awesome. It just took the world a really long time to figure that out. That is one hundred percent true. Because like I remember when Melissa McCarthy was in Bridesmaids and mm-hmm. that was like her full-on breakthrough moment yeah that's when people realized that she was great and all of us Gilmore Girls fans were like where the fuck have you been exactly and it was kind of like language (laughs) no see we give up we give up we We give up sorry it's done we lasted 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) um remember when she when she started in that movie it was kind of like um she became just a house not not even a house not even just a household name but like a hugely bankable star mm-hmm. which hadn't before like I think before she was just kind of like a charming um you know sec- not like a, a chime uh, what's, what's the word like a charming kind of uh supporting player yeah who, you know when they talk about like the leading actress and the best friend yeah like not even like she was kind of like second rate best friend even cause exactly like, there's, yeah it's like a lot of actresses who are just very well known for always playing the best friend but like mm-hmm. I think Melissa McCarthy was like below that even you know it was kind of like she was there and she made it and she was always memorable but not memorable enough to know her name or remember remember everything she's from exactly but I remember when she was in that movie it was like everyone just had like a big like aha moment where it's like wow we should have like 
who like we should have given her the, a bigger platform years ago, you know. Yeah. But uh, that being said, I think something tragic has happened with Melissa McCarthy's career now, where, yeah. and I don't get me wrong, I still think she's a great actress, mm-hmm. and she has shown her versatility. But at yeah. the same time, for a while there, the roles were the same. Yeah, I yeah I will agree. She kind of like after Bridesmaids, there was. A f- like a lot of movies that I will agree like she was the same in the heat she was the same in the boss boss lady <laughs> what was it called I don't know whatever the boss yeah yeah she was the uh, life after life of the party was that it yeah I, that that, movie? yeah I did okay I didn't laugh once and That's maybe that you say that because I I do agree with you in terms of like all of her movies kind of started to sound, started to feel like the same after a while. It's just I, she started to feel like she was always playing the same character, that like chubby lady that we were always laughing at. Yeah, and I I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember at, I remember at the time, like in, in like 2013, there was just like a lot of like just negative reviews around the fact that you know she would like the fact that she was large was supposed to be the yeah like that was the punchline i don't and i think that was the punchline maybe like on a deeper level but i don't think like on the surface that was really a bit like or maybe even like on the like even on a deeper level with that too like it wasn't that she was the like the fat lady that was to be laughing at it was the fact that like she was funny mm-hmm. and also was not afraid to bear her body for a role right Maybe like, and that's probably a bit of a stretch, but I do like. I remember. No, I know what you're saying. And I think, and recently in like in a cover interview that she did, I think for InStyle magazine, Melissa McCarthy mentioned like just how she feels about negative press and just like she like she's never really understood. I think I don't, remember, I don't remember the exact quote, but she's never really understood what people mean when they criticize her for her her, her appearance. Like she kind of will say it's like it's. It's like they're not talking about me. They're talking about their own kind of their own issues and their own kind their of their own insecurities. Yeah, their own their own kind of cultural insecurities. Yes, you... yes. The, yeah. These these societal insecurities that we all buy into, kind of. Yeah, exactly. But it's funny that you said you didn't like Life of the Party because I remember when I saw I saw that in the theater last year, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like this like this is I think this is that that was like the funniest movie she'd done in a while. Like I think before I think before. Really? That, yeah, I think before that point, there had been a lot of movies that were kind of like, okay, like she, this is this is this is like getting old now. Like I think, like I didn't really like Spy. She was in a movie called Spy. Um, the Boss was. Oh, old. I like that one way better than I liked Life of the Party. Yeah. 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 It's it's, but it's, it's whatever. It's, I think I I don't think that's saying much though because again, like it's the same recycled jokes with her. So yes. However, that's, but that's like the writer's fault too. Exactly. You know? And like yeah. And however, I will mention that. Since starring on Gilmore Girls, I think Melissa McCarthy is a two-time Academy Award nominee. She was nominated for Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. And then this year, she was nominated for um, a movie called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which, which you love. Which I love. And I'm going to say I highly recommend because that's, like, not – that's not comedic. That's not, like, buddy comedy or slapstick. It's, like it's, – it's kind of, like it's, – it's, it's very it, – there is, there is, like – comedic elements but it's it's very like biographical yeah um and i didn't like i didn't think she, i didn't expect her to i didn't expect that she would win which she didn't but like i was just very i was very happy at the fact that like she was being recognized for this role for this movie because it's just it was i think maybe not a turning point but just like a reminder that like she's very she's a very versatile actress and performer yeah no i agree and she did win an emmy too Oh yes, and cause, From, see that was the thing. As soon as she was in, as soon as she was in Bridesmaids, and did and did all those movies 
all those big budget movies thereafter, everyone kind of forgot that she was still starring on Mike and Molly at mm-hmm. the time. And like Mike and I didn't I didn't watch Mike and Molly really religiously, but I did watch no. it. I did watch it occasionally, and like it wasn't the kind of show you had to watch religiously because it wasn't like that amazing in my opinion. Yeah. But but like, I think for me, Mike and Molly perfectly summarizes Melissa McCarthy's career. Exactly. Like it was like you know oh now oh now you pay attention to me for this breakthrough, but like I'm still doing yeah like now I'm finally the lead actress because I've gotten all this attention, but we're still using the same jokes. Exactly, and it was just so. Yeah. It was, it was just still, still the same kind of charming, um, per, like charming feel that she, all her other roles had had. Like I think she was mm-hmm. also, wasn't she also on like a show called Samantha Who with um Christina Applegate, which I never watched, but I remember reading that. Was she on that? I think so. But like at the time, it was like that was like right after Gilmore Girls. So it was like she was still just you know the charming TV supporting player. Yeah, I listen, I think with Melissa McCarthy, I'm glad that she's gotten more recognition because I do think she's a great actress. But I think people need to start taking her more seriously and writing roles. Like, I think this year's Oscar nomination is going to do her some good because people will finally see that she's not just that one character. Exactly. Which is why you all need to go watch. Can you ever can you ever forgive me starring Melissa McCarthy in an Academy Award nominated role? Go do it. Thank you. Oh my God, are we getting like sponsorship? What's going on with you? We should. We should, but we're not. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of Suki, um, did you know? So if you think, if you um, think you think back to the pilot, um, do you remember Drella the harp player? Oh my God! Thank so you. For, for those of you who don't know, so by the way, I'm gonna be doing. Um, I have told myself that every episode, I'm gonna try and find like my favorite character of that episode and tell you why. Oh and, my God! Thank you for bringing up for bringing that up because. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the reason I bring up Drella is because Alex Borstein, who plays Drella, yeah, originally auditioned to be Suki. Exactly. I wrote that down because I was that 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 was a trivia that I knew in my head. There you go. So she originally is auditioned to be Suki, Alex Borstein. Alex Borstein is brilliant actress, a brilliant actress. Um, okay. she plays in Amy Sherman Palladino's new show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Do you watch that? I don't. Okay. So um, you're wrong for not watching. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you right now. Um, so that show is great, and Alex Borstein is great. And even though Drella only had, I think, maybe she was there for like six episodes, six or seven. <laughs> she should have been there longer. She was also really there for comedic relief. Oh, boy. She was fucking hilarious. <laughs> she is one of my, like, probably in the entire show, however many episodes, seven seasons, she was in, as that character, she was only in, like, a handful of episodes, but she's probably one of my all-time favorites in the entire right? show. What is it about her? I love it so much. <laughs> like, just her level of, like, snark and just, like, like has no... Fucks, just... Yeah, has no time for anybody's shit. She's just, like... She's, she's like, I'm playing my fucking harp. Get out of the way. <laughs> yeah, she's like... I love how, I think in the first episode, maybe the first episode, she's, like, moving her harp around and she's, like, yelling at people to move and Lorelai's, yeah. like... At okay. one point, she's like, oh, that's a great place to put a table your decorator's a genius yeah that's what i was gonna say like she's just yelling at people to move and Lorelai's like i'm gonna need you to be nicer to the nicer to the customers and she's like you hired a harp player and just like some sort of like snarky yeah she just like yeah it's a verbal beatdown basically yeah and then then says just that like oh great what a loveliest to put a table that's like what i think when i'm just like done with everybody i'm like oh great that's a part but i think that was part of her charm for me is that well part of her appeal really is because Everything that I think normally when I'm walking around people, 
Um, she, she, she said like, she yeah. has a balls to say. Exactly. Like, and that's exactly why she resonates with both of us, because we're both very much like we're that. We're both very snarky, but in our heads. Yeah. Um, can be in person as well, but... Um, if pushed. Yeah, normally in my head. But I remember, the reason I bring her up is because I remember thinking that um, in typical, like, drama series, that they would probably do some character development later on. They would, somewhere down the line, like, bring out her stuff. And I was really disappointed when they didn't keep her around. Yeah, because it's funny how, like, I think that was kind of part of what I was saying earlier about how in the beginning of a show, like, they don't really know how things are going to pan out. Yeah. You know, if, and with and with a character like Drella, who is clearly just there for comedic relief as, like, a bit role, who has, like, a few lines, but, like, clearly she was memorable enough and made a, and made an impact. Oh, my God. I, I still, I still want, like, a Drella spinoff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, um, but I think that's the thing. They're trying to, it's. Look, the thing that I said, like, character development, maybe they would have kept her around. I get it. They don't know where the show is going. They're still in their growing pains. They're trying to figure some stuff out. Um, It's also not that kind of show. Like, character development on Gilmore Girls happens very slowly. Exactly. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Like, it's very slow moving. And I think the fact that she was snarky and also Michelle was very snarky, they had to pick one or the other. I love the scene where th- there's a wedding happening and there's swans and Michelle- oh Michelle's afraid of swans. Michelle's and- afraid of swans. And Drella-, and Drella is like, of course he is. He's French. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? I thought it was so funny. Part of me is mad that they made a decision like to say we're going to keep either. Because I think this is what happened, really. They were like, we're going to keep either Michelle or Drella. Yeah, um, and part of me is mad that they did that because I think their scenes where they're together would have been beautiful. <laughs> yeah, probably. I would agree with that. So I brought up Drella just because, number one, I love her. Number two, I just wanted to plug Mrs. Maisel. Yes, um, it's funny that you're talking about Alex Borstein and ha- and you did not mention that she later recurred on Gilmore Girls she in did. later seasons as Miss Celine, the dressmaker. Yep. Um, and I've seen For those so- of you who don't know, Miss Celine is Emily Gilmore's, I don't think she's a dressmaker, she's a personal shopper. Yeah, tell me, tell me she's a my personal class. shopper slash stylist. Yeah, because, yeah, stylist. Again, rich people. Um, yeah, and she's she's Miss Celine, but I didn't like her as Miss Celine. I wanted her no. as Drella. But at the same time, like I've known so many people, or I've seen a lot of like reactions on online from people who have n- had who had no idea that Alex Borstein also played Miss Celine later, and I was like, mm-hmm. uh, okay, well. Well, it's the same thing. Of did you know that um, in the revival? Do you know where I'm going with this? Keep talking. Okay. In the revival, Gypsy, mm-hmm. the mechanic, right. plays Emily's maid. See, I've only seen the revival once, but now you've told me that when I when I rewatch it, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up on that because I didn't okay, pick up on it. Okay, so for those of you who didn't know, go back and it's gonna be really obvious. Well, I'm I'm sure it would have been obvious when I watched it again, but it's just like it was too, it was two years ago that I watched it and I probably was not as attuned to Gilmore Girls then mm-hmm. as I was now. So we'll I see how it. that goes. Don't worry. Um, so let's talk about the episode itself. Um, so in this episode, pilot episode, of course, we're trying to like establish the storyline. So um, they're right off the bat. It's the mother daughter relationship between Lorelai and Rory. Okay. Um, in, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So I wanted to bring that up because there is another article that I found in preparation for today's episode. 
Um, on BuzzFeed. I have beef with BuzzFeed, but... Everyone has, everyone has beef with BuzzFeed. I know, I know. Everyone has beef with BuzzFeed. But this was published. Um, this is an article called 20 Unpopular Gilmore Girls Opinions That Every Fan Secretly Knows Are True. This was posted on April 29th. Do we, though? So, Do we know they're true? Uh, no, I'm. that's why I have beef. Well, I have beef for other reasons, but <laughs> for this particular thing, that's why I have a problem with it. Okay. Um, so I'm not going to go through all of them, obviously. I'm just going to go through the ones that are relevant for today's episode. Um, and... The first one on the list is the close, in quotations, relationship that Lorelai and Rory share is downright creepy. And this person says, you shouldn't be your child's best friend, especially, all caps, during formative years like that. She needed more guidance, not a coffee date. Okay, that's very triggering because I, I have a lot to say about that. So, here's the thing. Um, this, well... No, I won't say this person. Um, this is anonymous, by the way, so I couldn't even call this person out. Um, <laughs> you clearly don't understand that Lorelai had her child at 16. Yeah. So she was still a child herself when she had a child. So it's normal because the second thing on that list is Lorelai wasn't actually a great mom after all. In fact, she was downright terrible. Okay, downright. Let, let's stop saying downright within these. Stop. Days. And then the, <laughs> and then the um the like the continuation is I used to love it, but now I can't stand to watch it. Lorelai is not that awesome mom. Uh, sorry, Lorelai is not the awesome mom I thought she was 15 years ago. Um. Okay. Who and knows? Then, hold on, I'm not done. <laughs> Number seven on this list is Lorelai was just an immature, overgrown kid. Lorelai is such a spoiled brat. She acts like a complete child throughout the series and never seems to learn from her mistakes. So, again, I'll say that Lorelai, the reason I think Lorelai comes off as immature is because, yes, she's fairly young. Um, I think she's like 31. She's supposed to be 31 when the series first starts. Where to even begin with all of this? I have so much to say. But I think okay, was, go, I go. Think you was, go first, and then I'll go. I think she was 32 because she would, because Rory was yeah, like... Yeah, because Rory was turning 16 and she was 32, yes. Yeah. Um, it's funny, though, that we're talking about this because I think Eleni and I have argued about similar things regarding these topics several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I That's do, why I said I, you go first because I don't know if we were going to bring it up. I do think there is some... Like, like I think a lot of I think a lot of those BuzzFeed articles where it's like pointing out like the rational like or like pointing out the rational facts of certain shows or fiction. It's like um, you're probably you realize it's a television show, ma'am. Yeah, it, first of all, yeah. First of all, it's a television show. Second of all, um, it's it, it's not that deep. Um, especially, yeah, especially a comedy like Gilmore Girls is, is definitely a comedy at some time. Um, I would argue it's more comedy than drama. Yeah, definitely. Like in, in my opinion, but would, whatever. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I just think that, like, you kind of, either you didn't like the show that much to begin with, if you think these things retroactively, mm-hmm. probably. Like, you were like, oh, I watched that when I was little, and now I don't like it anymore. It's like, that's fine, but don't go on BuzzFeed and shit all over someone's beloved show. Okay? Just tag us next time, and then we'll, we'll respond to you directly. Um, oh, my um Jeffrey will respond to you directly yeah I don't uh, have the patience for you like I do think that I think like the fact that Lorelai is emotionally immature is like a known fact for anybody who's ever put any thought into watching Gilmore Girls like, but I think, I think that's the point that is, that is definitely the point and I think the first time that I watched it like I was like the fact that she just was an adult 
quote unquote adult who like yeah. made genuine mistakes and just like didn't know what she wanted and was just and was just very immature. It was it was like it made sense to me as an audience member because she it's like it's an it's presented to you as a known fact in the first episode like she had this child when she was 16 she raised her by herself she went and she to even talk- says it when she's talking to emily during that awkward dinner scene yeah doesn't she like i she I, says I thought- it she says i grew up really fast i i'm not i wasn't a child anymore you know yeah, she had I, to grow up super fast yeah doesn't she say something like i tur- i stopped being a child the minute the strip turned pink or something? exactly that was the exact yeah. quote so um I think you missed the point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the point was that she's supposed to be immature. And let's be honest, the more I, the, the, the older I get, I'm not old, but the older I get, <laughs> um, the more I realize nobody has their shit figured out. No. And then, like, I'm I, in, I'm 26. <laughs> I don't have my shit figured out. Lorelai was only 32 and she had a 16 year old. Yeah, it's normal like, that she doesn't ever shit figure it out. Yeah, like I think I think perspective I think perspective is definitely key. And also remember it's fictional. Like yeah, we exactly. can't like Number that's what I mean when I say it's like like I think a lot I think that's like part of my beef with BuzzFeed or like or like BuzzFeed articles like that where it's like let's just like take Do we rag- even call this an article? List posts. I guess. Whatever. Um, like a lot, like, and, I, and I've read a lot of them because I think because BuzzFeed is a great way is a great way to waste time. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Um, and it seems like every week. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. But it seems like every month there's a new article about Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Or any think, television show. I'm not just saying specifically to Gilmore Girls. I think it's because BuzzFeed caters to um, a largely like millennial or post-millennial audience that knows um shows like Gilmore Girls or Friends definitely Friends like Gilmore Girls they either you know grew up watching those shows or like watched those shows at a formative time when they were younger so it's like now they're either you know young adults or full-blown adults who are going to click on those articles because they've you know, they they it, it's ingrained in their minds because they grew up watching it or watched it and during a formative time in their life. So it's like, but that's and like that's kind of what's annoying though. Cause it's like if you watch it at a formative time, you're not like like we did. You know, you're not going to agree with with articles yeah. like that saying just like pointing out like hard hard truths about a fictional yeah. show. Yeah, and you know? I think the reason I was so not upset because I'm not upset, <laughs> but I mean when somebody says she was downright terrible. Like, I don't think she was an amazing parent, but no one's an amazing parent. So, like, but that's I'm, what I'm going to say. You know, Nobody is a perfect parent. No, um, and I think the fact that, like... She raised her daughter alone at 16 and did, uh, like, well for herself. Yeah. I know it's I, fictional. I know it. I know. Stop. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, like, you know, that to me, when, a, when, when a, a child, because she was a child, puts everything on hold to raise her child, that's not a terrible parent. You know yeah. what I mean? I so. think... I, but I think the fact that like the show was uh, like was a comedy at heart, like we said, it was also it was, it's very it's it's very interesting that like they never lost sight of the fact that like he, the show was about a mother who had a child when she was a, still a child herself, exactly, and raised her in that way, and like they stuck to that because like the fact that Lorelai made mistakes, acted like a child sometimes, was emotionally immature, was just immature in general. I felt the fact that like she she retained those 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 like those traits and those personality um ideas like that's just like a testament to like the show's endearing quality you know yeah and i think um people that look at it as if it's just a show about rory growing up 
It's really not because they both the grow point, up. Because the point is also that Lorelai is growing up. Because uh, yeah. Lorelai didn't get a chance to grow up like a normal person would have. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like when we when we meet them, I think I think it's I think it was a good idea that like in the pilot we meet them at the same age as like Laurel as Lorelai was when she had Rory. Like you know Rory's. Oh, yeah, turn, I never thought about that. Yeah. Is turning sixteen like I was like I remember like I've every time I've watched the first season like I've thought that was a very that was a very like strong idea to like have that be the point when the audience meets these characters because I'm like Rory grows up. Like obviously differently than her mother did because they're not the same and it's a different yeah. world. But like, but like we also meet Lorelai at a at an important point where we watch her fall, we watch her make mistakes, you know. Um, and I think it's also important that like when we when we when we meet these characters in the pilot, like Lorelai ha- didn't date for most of Roy's life, and now yeah. she's, like, she's now that she's, we know of, yeah. But yeah, she said like, it, I think later on that she never really went on dates. Yeah, and like now we're like now like Roy is kind of old enough to you know, not be so susceptible, so susceptible to her mother's like love life. Now it's kind mm-hmm. of like Lorelai is learning how to let herself be in a relationship again. Like, and then she doesn't really know how to do that because she's dedicated. Because she couldn't. Like, well, she doesn't know how, because she was a child. Know, she was, when she was, she was 20, she had a four-year-old. Exactly. So like, how do you ever have a, how do you ever, you know, grow up like the status quo when it's like that? Like, so that, that like, I think the show, what you said about the show itself being about growing up is, is a, is a very important point. Thank you, Jeffrey. We're agreeing. Oh my god. Um, I also wanted to bring up. Well, this is a side note, but how terrible does Emily look in this first episode? Yeah, she looks very different. From... She looks so much older. It's funny because like they did like I think her costumes and I don't I can't speak for makeup, but like the way the way Emily was dressed was just very like such a conservative woman, American woman image that like. I don't I don't really get her hair in the first episode either like it, just, it well, was like her, either, but, yeah. her appearance her appearance itself was just very different in the pilot and I think that's also going back to what we said before about how like a pilot is probably shot before the rest of the episodes um for network tv so like th- she could have looked like that and they're like oh okay great and then when the show is picked up it's like okay well we're just gonna have to uh we're gonna have to tweak this yeah tweak it a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that was just my side note. Um, going to my bigger point of, um, you know, when Lorelai goes back to ask her parents, for, goes back to her home, her childhood home, to ask her parents for money, right. um, for Rory's school. Um, oh, also coming back to something, downright terrible parent wouldn't go through hell trying to put her child through private school. Exactly. And in in, in that scene, right right before she like looks over to the fireplace. To see the picture. Yeah, to see of, her, like, picture, yeah. Yeah, and, like, then decides she's going to have to, like, you know, swallow her pride and ask her parents for money. Exactly. It's like, she's on the phone and she's, like, saying, you know, oh, I no, I don't I don't want her to lose her space. I'm going to figure something out. So, like, she exactly. knew in that, in that moment, like, she, the, like Rory, Rory was not losing her space. Lorelai was figuring it was going to No, no, she was going to do anything, whatever it took to get her in there. Um, so then coming back to when they go, when she goes, when, sorry, when she finally goes back, to her childhood home and sees Emily and Richard. The point of that, the the part of that that really stuck out for me, um, and that I never noticed, I guess, when I was younger, is how angry Richard is. Did you ever pick up on that vibe? Angry? I didn't. I don't think he was. I I, I found that the vibe in the first few episodes was very like, you know, neutral. I think. In oh terms- really? Okay, because I got to complete like I got something else entirely and I never like it could be me just reading too much into it I don't know Mm -hmm. um 
But, you know, he walks in. He's like, I'm home. And he's like, Lorelai, is it Christmas already? You know, like. Mm. And I and I think even though he's willing to just hand over a check because he loves his daughter. Um, yeah. I, I've never doubted, by the way, throughout this entire series, I've never doubted Emily and Richard's love for Lorelai or Rory. No, so that's just my thing. <laughs> um, but I think that even though he's just so willing to hand over a check, he I, I personally think that he's just so angry at her. I think like maybe between the lines, um, I, I can see what you mean by her, by, by him being angry. But I think in the first episode, it like it kind of establishes the the dynamic that we're, that, that the audience can come to expect. Mm-hmm. From- between Lorelai and her parents, yeah. and, I, and I think, in my opinion, that's that's what's always been, that's what's always made the show so endearing in terms of uh, a strong family drama. Just because, like, I find maybe a lot of other family dramas that I've watched, like, you know, the problems, like the problems that that family members have between each other, like they kind of will reach some sort of resolution, or like, you know, they have a falling out and they stop talking, or like something, like something, like, like definitive happens between the characters but i find that on gilmore girls like despite what despite like ebbs and flows like lorelei and her parents always always maintain the same level of like distance because i think they're fundamentally different people oh for sure like you know like it was and i think they did a really really good job of showing that in the pilot yeah like it like it like it sets the stage for us to come like despite like you know like like there's t- there's times throughout the entire show where Emily and Lorelai can reach common ground, and then two minutes later they're they're fighting again. Oh yeah, two minutes later they're fighting again. And by <laughs> the way, I can relate to that so hard um, because my mom and I um, fight a lot. Yeah. And um, as I think, by the way, all daughters and mothers do. Exactly. Um, but my mom and I fight so much sometimes that like. We will be fine one minute, and the next, I either said something that annoyed her, or some she said something that annoyed me, and it mm-hmm. could ruin the entire day because exactly. we both like to hold grudges. Yeah, it's and I think that's, and I think by the way, that's the case with um, Emily and Lorelai. They're both really stubborn. Yeah, and they can both hold on to things forever. But if you think about it for a second, like the show, like the show itself is about. The, the relationship between Rory and Lorelai, but at the same time, there's a secondary relationship that is between Emily and Lorelai. And it's, it, oh, it's, I always saw the relationship as between mothers and daughters. Yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's or just, like daughters and mother figures, because yeah. there's also a really interesting dynamic, in my opinion, between Lorelai, uh, sorry, between Emily and Rory. Exactly. And I think it's Especially like, in the later seasons. I think it's just, it's very... It's it's just, it's very different because they're all just they're 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 not not one character is on the same is on the same like playing field as the mm-hmm. next you know so it's like that to me is just very realistic and just very like and there was a obviously a great chemistry between the cast members and the characters so like that's kind of oh for sure that's what that's what you know propelled the show to last as long as it did but like in itself I think it's just a very just the dynamic between the characters and the story. And the plot is just very, it's just very like strong, and it's, it just, it just make, it just made for a really good family drama, in my opinion. Yep. Um. Then there was the scene that I wanted to bring up about the dinner when they finally go to the dinner, their first ever Friday night dinner. And Richard falls asleep. Oh uh, yeah, that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, the point of that was, you know, Lorelai doesn't want Rory to know that she's borrowing money from her parents. Yeah. Um, 
but Emily desperately wants to be back into like to get back into her daughter and her granddaughter's life by whatever means necessary and that's exactly so I think that's where I saw the similarities between the two of them so yeah. Lorelai is willing to do whatever it takes to get Rory into school and Emily is willing to do whatever it takes to get back into her daughter's life yeah it's so like I think honestly Lorelai and Emily are more similar than they think they are Oh, definitely. And that's like, that's like what I said, like, it's just, it's at, at every turn, as long as, as like, from the, from the first episode to the last episode of the, of, of the whole show, it's like, there's just moments where you can see the, the family resemblance, no, no matter how hard Lorelai tries yeah. to be like her parents, you know? And I think that's why, that's where a lot of Lorelai's anger comes from, too. Yeah, because they're, uh, like, they're I think all- she knows she's like her parents. <laughs> Yeah, like it's not it's it's not even that like she's mad that she's that she's like her parents. It's that like she spent her whole like the better part of her adult life or all of her adult life basically um, mm-hmm. hating her parents and not and like resenting her parents. Yeah, and, and trying to get away from that life. And just like it was all about it was all about escaping what she didn't what she felt she would never fit into and then mm-hmm. but like no, I don't I don't think she ever stopped to consider until maybe they started going to Friday night dinner that you know they share dna they share a bloodline like yeah parent and child you can't really sever that bond no matter how hard you try exactly yeah so another thing that i noticed during the dinner um if you remember i saw it last night but um richard is very the reason i said in the beginning that richard seemed angry to me is because um even during the dinner, he's bringing up Christopher. Right. The elusive Christopher. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, speaking of which, Christopher is doing great. And Lorelai's like, how is it a speaking of which? Like, he knows how to push yeah. her buttons. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, sometimes sometimes I do get the impression that Emily and Richard are a little bit oblivious. In this scene, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think I think I know what you mean by, by him being angry then. Because that was like, it was very passive-aggressive. 100 percent aggressive yeah by the way have you ever been in an awkward family dinner where like backhanded comments are flying like that have i ever that's my entire life thank you yeah basically i was gonna (laughs) say can you relate even though knowing jeffrey could relate and jeffrey knowing that i could relate (laughs) oh yes we both can relate very much to what's happening both relate hard to (laughs) yeah um yeah so going back to richard the thing that i most took away from it after watching it, and again, maybe my 20th time watching it, is that I think Richard is still really upset about what happened. He is, and I think I, mean, I think at that point in time, in that very first episode, um, he, like, he, I don't know, maybe he never got over it. Like, I don't, like that's, like, that's what I mean when I say it's just, it's just a very endearing family drama, because, like, in a real family, you never, like, there's things you can forgive, but not forget. Like, you know, like, it's just like... Oh, I know that all too well, my love. You know? So it's like, despite... You know, finding common ground. I don't think Lorelai is ever over what she, what you know her pain. I don't think Richard and Emily ever got over what Laurel how Lorelai left them and embarrassed no, them. No, not at all. Etc. So like, I think at that point in time, Richard was just n- not over in any sense of the word how a Lorelai had got pregnant in the first place and then yeah. you know ran away from the family, just you know leaving them obviously heartbroken and embarrassed by the same time I think I was I was looking back on like I was trying to put myself in like a Richard perspective and I'm like imagine this man now who has one child 
Yeah. Um, that child leaves pregnant. He's embarrassed because I guess the social circle that they're in. Mm-hmm. His wife is heartbroken. Yeah. Um, he's always been able to provide for his family and yet like nothing works in the end. Like his daughter's still gone. His wife is still heartbroken and he's just like chugging along, you know? Yeah. I think when, I don't know if it was in the first season or at, or in the pilot at all, but was, I think there was another, there was another instance where Richard mentions that when Lorelai left, like Emily couldn't get out of bed for days or something. Like it was just, it was a very that was season three, Jeffrey. Okay. Well, See, it's all one big block of chunk. In well, my you head. gotta rewatch some shit, okay? Okay, thank you for that. Um, Go but, on. But it's interesting that you said because didn't Laura? I think Lorelai had the baby and then left their home after when Lorelai when Roy was a toddler, right? Or infant. It was one, yeah. Okay, so. Um, I oh yeah, think, your seventeen-year-old left home with your granddaughter. Yeah, and I think like that. It's that in itself. Like you can totally understand why that would affect. Why that would you know, leave Richard and Emily heartbroken. But on the flip side, I can understand why Lorelai ne- needed to get away from that. Like, I think, was it in, I think it was in the pilot or like the second, first or second episode of the of the show when, uh, or no, no, no. It was in the first season when um, Rory takes Emily to Stars Hollow and shows her around and then they go to the Independence Inn and, he sh- and she shows her the tool shed where Lorelai and Rory lived and like Emily has a full-blown meltdown and like leaves yeah um well for sure that's hard yeah that's definitely hard you can totally understand why Emily had that reaction and later in the episode um I think that's when Emily like decides to make over a room in her house for Mm -hmm. Rory and Lorelai is like so confused like are you trying to like steal my daughter? And like there was, the, and there was that whole anxiety. She too. was like, "Are you trying to steal my daughter?" She was more upset by the fact that like Emily is genuinely trying to connect with Rory, and she felt that her mother never tried to connect with her. Exactly. There was the, there was, there was a whole level. There was a whole level of deep deeply rooted anxiety. Yes. Doing that for Lorelai that like pretty much continues for the for most of the show, and we'll get into that in future in future episodes. But yes. um, in that in that episode like. I think Lorelai confronts Emily about what happened and or what she, or what she was doing that for, and you know Emily says you know you you lived like animals or something in that yeah shed. like she was basically telling her you rather had lived in a tool shed yeah in one room than stay here with us yeah and like and I Lorelai, understand that must kill her yeah and but then and that I can understand but then in, like in that one minute in that one moment you can totally see both sides because like you understand why you know, Emily feels hurt by that, but then you can also understand Lorelai's response, which was, I was very young. And, and very unhappy. I was very unhappy, and, he, and I needed to be someplace that wasn't here. Yeah. In, in that, and, like, in that in that instance, you're like, wow, both sides are so valid right now. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Um, I think last thing we want to talk about was Dean. Yes, because the pilot episode, the pilot episode introduces us to Rory's first boyfriend. Yes. Did you want to take the lead on this? Okay. Well, in my opinion, as as we'll get into later, because you know that's that the, the the topic of Rory's love life is bound to become a very heated debate on this podcast. Um, but in the first episode, in the first season, um, I actually did not hate Dean. Huh. I don't like. I didn't like. He's probably my least favorite of Roy's boyfriends in general, based on what happens later. But I, I thought think... well, we would have a problem if he wasn't. But okay. 
yeah, we're get, like we'll we'll get into that when we reach later seasons. But I think in that, like in the first season before there was a, like you know other other um, attractions that had been that had been introduced, which we, which we won't label. Um, <laughs> I think in that first season, you know, just like kind of like budding puppy love and whatever. I think that was just a very like heartfelt and warm connection. It like kind of solidified the show as the you know white family drama with some teen yeah. with some teen melodrama mixed in like that kind of feels like a warm hug on a cold day if you know what i mean yeah but can i just say like fuck rory for wanting <laughs> to give up chilton for a guy she literally just spent five minutes with okay well now you sound like, now you sound like the people on the buzzfeed list so no but c- come on come on <laughs> I see what I'm you gonna. Mean. I've been wanting to go to a private school to get into Harvard my entire life and escape this town. There's one idiot rolled in from Chicago. I spoke to him for five minutes about cake being around, and I'm gonna not go to Chilton anymore. <laughs> okay. Point taken. I see what you mean. Uh, uh, but yeah. I think, so... I think at the time, um, like I don't, I don't know. In the first season, I didn't hate Dean. Like, I'm, like, and I find I didn't anytime... hate him either. I feel like any time that I've watched, re- that I've rewatched the first season, like it's it's just it's just pleasant, it's just cute, it's just oh, you know. Oh, hatred for Dean happened in season five, four. Yeah, we'll get and we'll and we'll get to that eventually. We will, but I'm just saying, I didn't hate him in the first season. No, she had that. Like as far as first boyfriends go, that was the perfect one. Yeah, was it the and, perfect one? I don't know. Maybe I'll second. I'm second guessing myself. Yes, and, and as I wrote in my notes for the for the pilot episode i wrote that um young dean is adorable first of all and cute and no. likable and season one and i wrote no. sorry not, and i wrote sorry not sorry because i knew eleni would not agree with no. me no 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 okay, he was adorable in the first season no disagree what do you what did you think he was he was he was attractive in the in season four when he had his dumbass beard and long hair i didn't think he was attractive ever okay fine on the show i mean <laughs> Like, no. That's valid. What was his hair in season one? I don't know. It was 2000 on the on the WB. What do you expect? Oh, no. <laughs> um, do you remember the reason why he was attracted to her? Didn't it was because he saw, he, like, he, she was sitting under a tree reading. Mm-hmm. Go on. Uh, <laughs> like, two guys were playing football, and one of them, like, got hit in the face, and there was a whole commotion, and Roy just sat there the entire time, oblivious to the entire to the entire um, situation. Yeah, you got it. So, basically, he told Rory that um, he, he loved the fact that she could be so, like, she can concentrate so hard on a book. He's never yeah. seen somebody read like that. Exactly. And my, the last question that I have for you on that ridiculous note is would that attract you to a person i mean that's i mean that that whole the whole scenario of like him being attracted being quote-unquote attracted to her just based on how hard she could concentrate that to me sounds like a lot of heterosexual nonsense however um fucking straight people (laughs) (laughs) i don't really like i kind of get it but it's kind of in this it's kind of like in a weird kind of like a weird kind of objectification kind of way which is not which was not the intent but at the same time it's like Dean himself was not much of a reader so it's like what exactly or like what exactly about Rory really attracted you like was it the fact that she was reading a book or the fact that like 
she could really like she could be so consumed by a book or with that she was quiet like that that's me like it's just a whole other can of worms okay <laughs> i think um i don't know i never got i think the reason i had such a hard time with the relationship is because for me they had absolutely nothing in common that's that's exactly what i mean so it's like how and like, like i understand that you don't want to be with someone that like is too much like you because it can get boring or so they say <laughs> but um what the fuck did you guys talk about and i think that was kind of what jess was getting at later when that whole th- when that kind of all came to a head where it was like he didn't he didn't understand what rory and dean had in common which is a valid point because at mean meaning like after the puppy love phase had faded I think that's why the relationship kind of crumbled because there was just. But it didn't clearly because she kept coming back to him, the idiot. Yeah, that's yeah. See, just like Lorelai, Rory did not make some great decisions either. No, of course not. I agree. Dean was a terrible decision. (laughs) Especially, especially at the end of season four. We'll get we'll get into that. We'll get into that's a whole other thing. Jeffrey. Yes. What is our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle is. Okay, the fact that you have to rifle through your papers is nice. <laughs> is Gilmore Podcast. Gilmore Podcast. And what's our Instagram, Jeffrey? Our Instagram is Gilmore Girls Podcast um, because that title was too long for Twitter. So, Fuck Twitter. But what's our blog, Jeffrey? Our blog is gilmoregirlspodcast.blogspot.com. So the reason I mention all these things is because I want you guys to go on there, interact with us, send us your thoughts, your comments. Do you agree that Dean was trash? <laughs> That's Do you a very think he's adorable? Because you're wrong. I, I don't. Okay. I'm going to clarify for one last time because I knew when I wrote that down that she was going to get mad at me. I don't like Dean. I didn't like Dean in general. He was my least favorite of Roy's boyfriends. But I'm saying in season one, he was he was cute and likable and adorable. That's okay, all. Jeffrey, your time is up. <laughs> uh, yeah, so visit us on the blog, visit us on Twitter, visit us on Instagram, let us know what you think. Thank you guys so much for listening. Yes, thank you so much. We will see you next time.